Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode two of season three, yes, I know. Uh, my name, as always, is Brian M. Davis. Uh, joining me today is a rising theater artist. Amanda yeah. Cruz. Yeah, Amanda, she is a City College uh, theater major, I believe, yes? Now graduate, yeah. Yeah, graduate, nice. And uh, yeah, that, that that last semester was uh, pretty, pretty just rough. <laughs> just, and just rough on all accounts. And but anyway, uh, yeah. So tell me, how did you get into the performing arts in general? I well, mostly this. Were you always in tune with theater, or was this something that you learned along the way? Um, it was definitely something I always admired, like just from seeing uh, the high school I went to was very big on their shows and they were very, very strict on their schedules and things like that. So uh, seeing them have like such amazing sets and costume and just the performers in general uh, were very spot on, especially for high school students. So, and we weren't known as a performing arts school. It was just, they just took their program specifically very seriously. Um, so I've always been admired uh, for that, for it like from a kind of third party standpoint. Um, in elementary school, I did like a couple theater things, but it wasn't something I completely pursued seriously. Um, I always said like, I wanna be like a film director yeah. Um, and then I got the chance to go to film, a film high school, but I couldn't, unfortunately, because uh, of traveling reasons. Um, so then I ended up in that high school, and then I ended up at City College, and I still had that kind of, like, love for shows and stuff like that, and I just kind of got into it through, like, just a random, like, audition, and uh, and then taking, like, some acting one and two courses because it helped uh, figure out, like fill out my uh, extra requirements for my major. Um, but from there, I kind of like from college on, I jumped into the, the psych realm and I was always like very interested in the psych realm. So as I got more involved in theater, I kind of figured out I don't want to do like anything from an acting perspective. And so I saw stage managing and I started stage managing uh, in the department, and then I uh, applied for the director's position and got that. Um, but I noticed that my directing style was just based on psychology and just from learning um, in my directing courses that uh, that's what most theater is based on anyway. Yeah. It was just easy to do it that way, and then that's how I pretty much got into it. Yeah, uh, I noticed that, and we'll talk about your directorial, direct, Detroit, direct, We'll talk about your debut as director. There we go. Uh, that, my mind is sorry, folks. I just woke up a little bit, like a little while ago. It was raining. The rain was just like making me very, very nice and making me sleep in. But anyway, we'll talk about your debut as director in a little bit. But yeah, tell me how it is as director because I know as director I have a very, very I want to say casual sense of directing where it's like okay I know this is why I need you here this is why I need you here but as an actor I'm kind of like also helping the actors try you know finding their beats and emotions that sort of thing because 
even though I have like a casual sense of directing, I'm also, you know, my acting uh, background is also helping me. So in terms of your like help, uh, helping your actors with the psychology of uh, the characters, how well was that in terms of just like, yeah, how well was that in terms of just regular directing, you know, as opposed to just like, hey, you know, I want you to stand here, say a line, move over there, blah, 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 blah. Well, I think most directing is subjective to how each director like wants to get their process done. Everybody's like completely different. Um, I think uh, it's like well known that a lot of people will like think like, oh, it's just stand here and then they just tell you what to do. Some directors are like that, um, but most have a more adaptive process where they're working with the actors and I've always seen it as like a teammate effort. So just yeah. using the psychology would just be like giving my actors tools and helping them understand the mindset that the character might be in in every single moment. And from there, them taking that on and then working with it. Yeah, it always works when it's a collaborative effort, especially when it's your first, yeah, when it's your first play and your director really isn't really a collaborative person and they're just like, eh, you know, they're just giving you direction, that sort of thing. And when it's your first play, you know, first drawing role, you feel very anxious because you don't know if you're doing it. So yeah, directors need to be more collaborative and yeah, essentially collaboration has to be a key factor into uh, into not only directing, but also just like this theater in general. But in terms of how now, I'm pretty sure because at Brooklyn College, uh, there is a stage manager uh, position, but that's like more MFA. Yeah, that's more MFA. But people who sign up as uh, ASMs, you know, assistant stage managers, that sort of thing. Um, how did you get? Because I know you mentioned that you oh you signed up for you were interested in stage managing, but you, you know, signed up for the thing. How'd you get into stage managing at City College? Like what is the uh, like process there at City College? Whereas like, do they have like an MFA program for state, you know, technical design where people would go into stage managing or is it just like a regular BA, you know, BFA thing? Uh, well, our department's pretty general, like a lot of our professors have knowledge on most of the experiences, whether doing actors work or more backstage work. Uh, hmm. It's kind of just like people go around and if they're interested, then they'll talk to a potential director, whether it be one of the professors or the student directors, and they'll let them know like, hey, I'm interested in ASMing or SMing yeah. work there is like a hierarchy that you kind of have to do or like a process rather that you have to go through. Like you can't just SM a show unless like there's a specific circumstance, but you do have to typically ASM first. So you can yeah. also learn the ropes of SM. Um, and usually they'll put you with someone that's a little bit more experienced in the work and that can lead the team. Um, and then you'll kind of train a little bit one-on-one -on -one with some of uh, the people who know 
SM work to a T and who've been like SMs. But it's not really an application thing. It's more of a whoever's interested, come and see because they do want more stage managers in yeah. the department. But Brooklyn okay. has more of a specific MFA program where it's like to yeah. do a little bit more training. Yeah, one of my uh, uh, yeah, one of my friends, Sarah Sells, she is a MFA in technical design, and she's going into her last uh, last year as a yeah, last year as a MFA in technical technical design theater. I think that's what it's called, but. She's mostly, she, I think she mostly uh, does stage managing. So she does like, I mean, once, like the one out of the four productions of the semester, or maybe is it one out of three, depending on, you know, depending on if it's fall or spring, because I know fall has like maybe like three productions or that sort of thing. Uh, in terms, and I've only, and I've tried to go into City College, but City College is a long trip from even, even by itself, because it's like, it's like once you get to uh, 125th Street, I think that's where I gotta get off. You still gotta walk up like a one big hill, and then just like by the time you're there, it's like a, it's a very very large campus. Uh, so, but I, the times I've been to City College and I've seen their like theatrical productions, that sort of thing, it has a very very. very I want to say like very raw and like raw experience, like the like you have to be there in order to see like a type of emotion people are there, you know, expressing, especially as actors. Um, and I know a lot of the productions of this past semester at City uh, City College had to be, you know, you literally were in the middle. Well, not I don't know if it was you, but the main production of I want to say March because I know your thing with Savage and Limo was like, I believe one of the small productions for, I think February. Yeah, it was in February and it was a, it was the only one that was in that small black box theater. And in the way I've seen the city colleges uh, theater thing, it was like, Oh, but like if the main thing will be like an Aaron Davis hall, I think. And then if I'm also wrong about something, please don't you know, hesitate to like correctly. Oh, it's not, you know, that sort of thing. But I know for, there's like four main productions and there's like the small productions, which was that you know, one of them being established as well. But I know because of what, what was happening with COVID, the main production that they were doing in March, uh, uh, Something blood. Uh, I forgot the name of it, but I know it was something. Uh, no, not in blood. Uh, shoot, and and the sad thing is, my friends were in, uh, my friends were starring in that too. So I was like, you know. and also has it also goes to show you how far away March has been in my mind. So yeah, uh, yeah. In in terms of the processing of of a main stage production as well as you know small productions how was that you know collaborating with the theater the department itself especially since uh savage and limbo was the more smaller 
small one being, uh, yeah, a small one being uh, filmed. Well, not filmed, but put on. As opposed um, to the more larger ones, where it was like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it was all like kind of like a main production. It's just that some plays have more of a sense that should be in like proscenium theaters, like Shakespeare plays, um, Greek plays, uh, Roman plays. And then you have certain newer productions that call for a more intimate audience. And that's where black box theaters come out. So like, I think if I was working with a different script, then maybe I would have a different play rather than I would have maybe uh, done something in the Aaron Davis theater, which is the larger yeah. theater. But I felt it would be more appropriate to do Savage and Limbo in a black box theater, which was so small and make people feel like they only look one way. Um, it also made it a little bit easier for the angles as well because everything was just very straight, very um, vertical uh, versus having to worry about like side views and things like that. Like there was still a little bit of that in there because the audience is so stretched out, but usually with like a proscenium, you have to worry about specific side views. Yeah. Um, or if you're doing like a theater on the round, which the Aaron Davis theater can do as well, then you have to worry about more angles. So I just wanted there to be a complete focus on the actors and their intimacy in every single scene. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I do love black box theaters because black box theater always has that very intimate way of not only presenting the the actors, but also just allowing the actors to feel a lot more, I don't want to say emotion, but just feel a lot more in character. They don't have to carry their voice to like say, you know, the people sitting in the the, uh, the bleachers or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So they could actually feel a lot more and, you know, a lot more control. And now, now that it is very intimate because you actually seen the, uh, the actors like literally on stage, like just, like mere inches from you depending on where you're sitting and that's where the black box theater really comes into play because of how not only enclosed it is but also how everything feels a lot more like this is a private moment that's happening and yeah i could easily have seen savage and limbo on a more bigger stage but because of the fact that the location of the play is a bar you need to have the the location fit the theater. So even if this is, uh, even if the location is say, you know, something like Lobby Hero, where it's like, it takes place primarily in a uh, lobby of a hotel room. I mean, not hotel room, of, of a hotel, I believe. You could get away with being on a more bigger stage because a hotel lobby is like a very massive thing. But when you go into a bar, Chances are the bar is very, very small, very intimate, like a black box. And you don't want to have that bar being very, very, I don't want to say too on the nose of, okay, you know, we're given the big stage. So we'll just have the, 
a lot of the bar just being like more spaced out, that sort of thing. But when you space out a bar, it doesn't feel like it's a bar anymore. It just feels like, oh, it's a bar on stage. But when it's a bar inside a black box, it feels a lot more in its own element. When you were directing Savage in Limo, and, and the weird thing is about the thing, I, I couldn't tell if this was both a metaphorical title where it's like, oh, these people happen to be dead and they just happen to be dead inside of the bar and they keep on repeating the same day over and over and over or that sort of thing. But in your interpretation of the play, how was that, how was, because I know, because the because that's the way plays are, is because plays can have like, very, you know, different meanings, that sort of thing. But in, in terms of your inter interpretation, how did not only directing Savage and Level, but how did you also interpret it? Um, I think that interpretations can be kind of limited depending because there was a specific type of genre that the John Patrick Shanley was trying to hit. Yeah, when which is that writing mundane, this? like that mundane, fan, uh, like the mundane fantasy thing, I think, where it's just like, it's it's fantasy, but it's also, ha it's also in the real world, I think. It, I, I would just like to say, because like our interpretation was very, um, or rather what we came across was very um, me knowing it and then letting the actors find it for themselves when we were doing table work uh, because the more I like went out of the box with the questions and let them like explore the play themselves they came to the answer themselves as well and I didn't have to tell them what it was because I feel like I would get a different result if I just straight up told them all of these characters are technically dead versus them getting onto the kind of fantasy portion and figuring it out for themselves because then they actually realize it in their own brains versus um, receiving the information and interpreting it or that's having to put it into them. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the psychology aspect of you directing comes into play, right? For somewhat, yeah. Uh, can you tell me about more about that? Because I know you, you kind of mentioned that earlier, but I, what is your process in terms of the psychology of directing? Do you, is it more like, like breaking down everything like a psychology uh, class or is it just like, or is it just like on the nose psychology where it's just like, I know the psychology of the characters and how the actors should be, that sort of thing. It was mostly just a questioning based uh process where we spent a good amount of time on table work to where everybody was kind of getting like uh, a little bit like feeling like oh my gosh so much table work um and essentially just constantly going into specific upon specific upon specific um and breaking down each and every scene and going through it yeah. um, 
and naming like to the specifics of the beats but then also going into like why those beats are there and then like how each character is and just very specific um to the note questions that only came from this it could only come from this script um and then them like getting the answers and when they feel they had like a for sure answer giving me the answer and then I could note it and take note of it and then give them notes based on that um and the other thing was kind of just having their brains like break down everything step by step so I did a lot of run-throughs I did a run-through every week um I did uh, a run-through for table work and then we did some blocking or general blocking rather and then we did a run-through and then we did specific blocking and did the touch-ups and more um where everything has to be set in place and then we did a run-through and then we just kept doing run-throughs so they could discover and find everything but also so they could break it down to where they're not having to jumble everything up and it's also i gave them a very early 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 off book date so they could really explore the script without yeah. having to worry about the lines um but i know traditionally a lot of directors will be like we have to get everything done and then we can do a run through but i feel as if that's a little bit counterproductive as it only yeah it doesn't give, really... it, yeah it's like giving an actor like a midterm or like a final versus giving them like a pop quiz every week i'd rather give them a pop quiz every week or like a small quiz every week so they can focus on this one subject and then move on so it's ingrained in them and so that way when they move to the next step they already have was from this run through versus having to say, all right, I need my lines, I need my blocking, I need my final blocking, um, I need to know where my character is in this moment, and having to put in all this table work, like that just feels like a lot to me to have to put in, in one run through after so many weeks of having to remember information that was like from week one and then bring it to week six. Yeah, especially when it's, uh, and especially since you're using a, a uh, a room like how it was because the the black box in uh, City College it's almost like a I want to say like almost like a gymnasium type of like thing because it has like a gymnasium floor but it's, it's similar to the the, the one of the black boxes in uh, Brooklyn College where it's like it's similar to a dance uh, like a dance hall so it has that very dance hall type of thing so uh, yeah, especially especially when you're doing like run-throughs, they kind of like the direct the directors I've been to or worked with. They save the run-throughs and stuff like that, like the week before, like the week or two before, you know, the main production like uh, premieres that sort of thing. So. That, and that's why they always call, oh, we had to stumble through today, where it's like, oh, we all did good, but we all just like stumble through it, that sort of thing. So you having like a pop quiz-ish run through like every week feels a lot more of the notion that, yes, you do know what you're doing, but also you do, you're kind of like also taking care of your actors, actresses, and making sure, uh, like you said before, a theater is a collaborative effort and especially with theater i mean especially with directing it has to be a very collaborative effort and yeah 
No, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I definitely, for me, I'm just a very, I guess, like, very, very, a little bit of a control freak, so I don't like to control people, but I like to know where we are, like, I need to know where we are in the process, and I need to know what's going on, and to me, kind of, like, just letting it be, like, a week before we go up and finally doing a run through to me seems very, very like kind of leaving it up to fate in a way. And I, I just can't do that. I couldn't see myself because I've had from experiences with other classes. Uh, my first scene was very, you know, we went through everything little by little and we did all that we needed to do, but we never had like an official run through until like right before the scene needed to go up. Yeah. And it ended up being like a little bit of a disaster. So I was like, okay, so then this means for next time, I have to have a run through like repeatedly so they can get to it. And I know that sometimes having a run through upon run, like doing a, sh like if we're, it, it's this, it was possible with this play. I don't think it's possible with every single play. Yeah. Um, like Shakespeare, I could not do a run through every single week it would probably have to be like a half and half where we only do this run for these few acts and then the rest of the half after and that's how I would like split it up and do it like a two-day run through yeah um but I definitely think there needs to be like check-ins that need to happen to where I can tune up everything personally for me um and I just don't see that being able to happen unless it's a run through yeah and I think that the notion of a run-through is kind of like scary for an actor because, oh, it's the run-through where it's like, okay, I gotta know all my lines. And it's like, okay, do I know all my lines? Or do I, I know all my beats? Do I know uh, where do I stand? That sort of thing. Because I know with run-throughs, it's like, oh, the director could, might, could, it might be, uh, it might change everything. And then that sort of thing. So having, and, Savage and Limbo feels like a very short play, but it's like, yeah, Savage and Limbo feels like a very short play, but at the same time, it also feels like it could be a very long play because of the way things are played out in the, uh, the play. And yeah, generally, I could see how a run-through per like once a week would allow you to not only step up on your toes, it's like, okay, you know, well, let's just see how our one is this week. And then the following week, and blah, blah, blah. And then not only that, you mentioned that you give your director, uh, not directors, you give your actors a little uh, thing with being off book. Whereas being off book, being off book is one of the most difficult things to be as an actor because you need to know what your lines are, but you need to know what, the purpose behind each line is. So hearing that, oh, you give it like a little date of like, okay, this is the date where we go off book. It's you because when you go off book, typically in a, you know, typically it's like maybe a month or so before the main state, I mean, not the main stage, a month or so before you go on stage, i.e. premiere night, you know, or in some cases, um, previews. But since you had six weeks, which feels like 
it's not a lot of time, but six weeks could still be a lot of time to not only direct and put on a show, but it's also a lot of time to to work with uh, you know stuff like that. Uh, in terms of the scheduling, i.e., the six weeks, how did you figure out? Of okay, we only have six weeks to put everything on. How was that compared to say just like? I need you to be here like, okay, twice a week, maybe even three times a week, just to study over the, the table of needs, that sort of thing. And then once we got into the uh, actual thing, yeah, essentially, once you got into the actual thing, how was it essentially just going into the, the production of it being six weeks compared to any other production where it feels like, oh, we have like eight weeks? Um, well, if I've been in a, a production or two where it was like a six week process and it's always felt very rushed. Yeah. Um, and never feeling like there's enough time. I just wanted to make sure I had enough time to where I'm content. Uh, and I feel like my actors are comfortable taking the story and telling the story so it was definitely a very general schedule but also a very like okay what are the things like I reading the script every day before even going into rehearsal and just being like all right what do I definitely need to know I need to work on what do I definitely think I can put in the hands of my actors who are competent and know their craft uh so it was a very like the thing that I kind of really did was separate the scenes and like the monologues and just keeping the monologues as like the spotlight moments. But then there were also two people monologues, which I separated as well and let those be spotlight moments in, in and of themselves. And then from there, we kind of did the general work and then went into the monologues as well on like a kind of separate basis. Um, so we through each day when we hit the second and third week. So by the hmm. time we hit like the fourth week, everything was pretty much set in place. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, I know that when you do a monologue on stage, it's kind of, and I've done monologues on stage and the monologues by himself are very, very, especially when you have like a six week thing, you don't feel like the monologue you have, because a few years ago, was it a few years ago? Oh, several years ago, I was part of a production and one of the production uh, scenes had like a very lengthy monologue for one of the main characters. And I wasn't the main character who said it, but he was like, you know, it, it was very analytical, the, the monologue, right? And we, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I feel like we didn't have enough time to study over the monologue to, to give that monologue its own little purpose compared to another monologue in, you know, later, th you know, later in the, in the scene, well, not scene, later in the show, where it's like, oh, this side character has like a monologue about how he's a womanizer and it's given its own, you know, practically its own like two minute spotlight just to be 
just to be on you know on the safe side compared to like where the main character has this very analytical monologue about talking about you know milk and stuff and he has to be very very you know in tone about what the thing and i feel like in hindsight we never really had the chance to actually look over the monologues that sort of thing so yeah monologues are a piece by himself but also at the same time you really have to take care of these monologues just to make sure these monologues are being said with the right conviction now you mentioned that there were two person monologues so what did you mean by two person monologues so by like a two person monologue there was like there was specifically this one um that april and merc uh have to me i know it's not like a very known thing i named it that myself because i felt like this was a monologue that would go in and out and yes april would be doing it but it seemed like merc was also the back character there kind of giving the support as well and adding to the monologue gotcha okay so even though this was primarily one character speaking it was also referring to another character essentially and yeah essentially where it's just like even though one character speaks they are just referring to another character and that character is it's more or less like the weight of that monologue yes tomb personal monologue yeah that makes sense because I, I think i've seen monologues that are done like that but they're like just treated as just like oh they're just monologues especially in shakespeare where it's, where it's like even if shakespeare is talking is talking having a character talk about one thing and that one thing isn't in the at the room at the moment it's just treated as a monologue so having that per that one thing i.e person like kind of like waving around like somewhere in the background it would make more sense so yeah that's actually good because even though it wasn't like even though there's like not two people like speaking at the same time where it's like a uh what was the term a, a system was a systematic no not systematic uh where it's just like at the same time a sign a simultaneous like monologue where these two people are like one character speaks a line up, character speaks a line, but it's sort of like the same notion of these two characters are literally talking about the same thing. And it's their monologue, i.e. a two-person monologue. So yeah, your notion of a two-person monologue feels a lot more like that thing where you're talking about, oh, it's like behind the psychology of a lot of this stuff, especially with directing. Uh, yeah, I guess I was at about talking about Savage Limbo because I I I feel like I have Savage Limbo. <laughs> uh, now, in terms of City College, how is it actually? How was it actually going to uh, school there? Because uh, City College, Hunter College, and Brooklyn College all have good uh, theater, uh, you know, theater productions that sort of thing, but. I only been to City College once before before, you know, a few years ago when I was like switching into uh, different because I'm not sure they, they were still doing this because uh, when I went there 
you know, IE as a prospect a student to transfer into my four-year thing, they mentioned that their theater department, which would be more selective, like almost becoming like a BA, a BFA program, that sort of thing. Was that sort of like the mindset of a city college thing, where it's like it almost became a BFA program, or was it more generally? Um, I think it's just they're just trying to give everybody the tools that they most possibly can. Um, for our program, even though someone is like essentially an actor, they'll still take theater history courses. Those are required for everybody. They'll take designer courses. Those are required for everybody. Um, and try to give everybody an overlying education on what theater is so even though you might not be in a specific space per se you can see or like at least understand where a person is coming from in that space um, I think a lot of programs go specific and I think that's more of like what a graduate school education is for yeah but I did like how they were trying to get everybody pretty much aware of the many possibilities that exist in the theater room uh, yeah, I, I do think that a lot more theater departments need to be more generalized in terms of what theater is, because theater isn't really just, oh, it's just acting, it's directing, it's a lot. Like, the, it's like theater is a lot of things, and having classes about how to do lighting more better, how to do sound, practice, uh, sound classes, you know, how to be a sound engineer, especially in theater, uh, and a lot of the stuff that I learned in Brooklyn College was more on the production side, where it was like, oh, I learned how to be more of a better production hand. So whenever I am doing the stage and stuff, I feel a lot more in control, that sort of thing. And I know when, and I know friends who were in the BFA acting program, that's just like a four year program all by itself, and, and they're learning stuff that they, had learned before so having a theater department that generally just wants to do have everyone to have like a, almost a helping hand or at least yeah helping hand where it's just like everyone's doing their part you know even if they're an actor they're still doing that part of uh, taking out the sets that sort of thing as opposed to having like a couple of stage hands all that stuff where it's like okay you know the actors they're, they're done, you know, they go off stage and the stage hands, you know, come in, take off everything and then their curtain comes down. So it's like, oh, okay, the, the play is done. And then behind the scenes, the, the actors just go home, that's what. So ha having everyone with a helping hand, that allows you to, yeah, that allows you to essentially feel like, oh, theater is a collaborative effort. And I think that's what I've seen with City College is that theater has been a very collaborative effort. Because that's why I said, oh, it feels a lot more raw, where it's like, you actually could feel these emotions just like really, really simple. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for me, uh, because I kind of like tapped out with something and I would make questions, but uh, Amanda? Thank you for being part of season three. I'm also season two, but I'm past season three. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you for being a, a part of season three with performing the arts. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I do have like three last questions. Uh, yeah. Do you have any advice to those who are either watching or listening with their own little like traditional thing? It's like, eh, we'll, we'll watch on this on YouTube or we'll just listen to this on YouTube. Um, I would say anybody that's in the arts, you know, definitely hone your mistakes over everything hone your mistakes over your achievements um because those are the things that will help you grow and help you like evolve as an artist in general and you know use your achievements as your rewards or like your light of the tunnel moments when you need a little bit of positive energy hmm. Uh, my second question is, do you, even though, because of COVID and everything, uh, do you have any prob uh, problems? Yeah, we all have problems. Uh, <laughs> do you have any projects coming up that we could know about in the future? Uh, I wish I did. I don't, unfortunately. I'm pretty much working on my uh, application for graduate school. So. Oh, nice. Uh, but yeah, I feel like graduate school for me is like, I, I want to do graduate school, but I just did 14 years of college. So I'm just going to like, no, I'm just going to wait like a few years if I want to do graduate school. And even then, I'm still trying to figure out like which graduate school would I want to be because I, 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 it's odd because, you know, I have this hand in both theater and also film. So it's like, it's really, really weird to see which one I want to go with. Uh, and third, and my last, you know, third one, uh, do you have any social media you want to plug? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I don't really have a professional social media <laughs> to plug. All right, that's fine. <laughs> uh, this has been episode, episode two of performing uh, up at middle. That's been episode two of performing the arts. Third take. <laughs> this has been episode two of season three of Performing Arts. My name, as always, is Brian Davis. I hope you had a great afternoon or evening or morning when you listen to this. So, yeah, enjoy yourselves and just have a nice day. Bye.